Talkers. Welcome to Speak and Destroy, Episode 72. Speak and Destroy is a podcast featuring interviews about Metallica, and I am your host, Ryan J. Downey. My guest this episode is Blue Oyster Cult lead guitarist and sole consistent member, Buck Dharma. We talk about meeting Metallica, the Metallica cover of Blue Oyster Cult's Astronomy, the famous Saturday Night Live sketch with Will Ferrell and Christopher Walken, writing, recording, and making music videos during the pandemic, participating in the 1986 metal all-star project Aid, Buck's solo work, and Blue Oyster Cult's 14th studio album, The Symbol Remains. Remember, one of the best ways you can help support this podcast is to go into Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, and write a nice little review. Like this one from Baptized by Fire 75, which says, Demon Hunter, great podcast. I'm listening today to your review of the SNM2 show you went to. My aunt, who passed in 1998, was a harpist in the San Francisco Orchestra in the late 70s, I believe. And when I was starting a band in the 90s, she wanted to see the sheet music of the music I like, so I showed her the music book from Puppets. I will always remember that she told me that everything she saw in this book was equally arranged and flowed like a traditional classical piece. It was around a year the first S&M came out, and I remember watching the video from it, and because my aunt played the harp in the same orchestra, I wanted to see the harpist. If you look, the dude had a colored mohawk and a sleeveless tux with his tattoos showing, if my 43-year-old Jaeger memory serves myself correctly. I mention this because in the podcast, you mentioned how you were wondering if any of the musicians listened to Metallica. I'm willing to bet that harpist did. And I believe the subject line here is Demon Hunter, not only because I managed the band Demon Hunter, but because guitarist Jeremiah Scott was a guest a little while back. You can find Speak and Destroy at speakanddestroy.com and on all the various social media. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Downey and on Instagram at SuperheroHQ. And please listen and subscribe to the other shows in the Pop Curse Podcast Network, including Pop Curse, which features musicians talking movies, and No Prize from God, which features conversations with creative people about belief, unbelief, and everything between. So here it is, my conversation with Buck Dharma of Blue Oyster Cult. This is Speak and Destroy. BOC, one of the most influential and important bands of all time. Um, Golly there. So what we do here is we, uh, Metallica is the theme, they're the anchor. But the idea is that the guests are folks who have some direct or indirect connection to the band or have influenced them or been influenced by them. And you've been on the wish list because of, of course, Blue Oyster Cult has been an influence on Metallica and Metallica has covered your songs and... And all yeah. of that. So, yeah, very happy to have you on. Cool. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, no. So, jumping into the Metallica thing before we spin off in other directions, uh, what was your first encounter with the band or awareness of them? Do you remember when you first started taking notice and hearing? Um, 
they, you know, they, they, we, we, we heard about them and then, um, then they started, uh, selling records and then we heard about them. <laughs> <laughs> and then you heard about them more and more and more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we had, we had one memorable uh, occasion where, uh, they had canceled a gig and we filled in for it and, and their fans were not kind to us. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when and where that gig was? I think it was in California somewhere, but uh, I can't remember the exact time. I think it must have been uh, during the late '80s or early '90s. I think. And the and those fans were, were what wish, wishing you yeah. would be faster. <laughs> no, yeah, they were just bit, bitterly disappointed that we weren't Metallica. So. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you had occasion to meet any of those guys? Uh, I went to a Metallica show, might have been Philadelphia. Um, again, that was probably the the 90s some, sometime, yeah. And uh, it was good. I, was, I met James and Kirk and, uh, and Lars. And uh, I think it was Jason Newstead, but I'm not sure. Yeah, if it no. in the 90s, it would have been Jason, yeah. Yeah. And they were gracious and, and uh, you know, it was a lot of mutual respect uh, traded. It was, it was a great time. Yeah, they are sort of the consummate fans, which is one of the things that I yeah. really love about how gigantic their band is, is that they're always paying it forward by introducing people to smaller bands, obscure bands, and then propping up, you know, the legendary bands that they love, whether it's Blue Oyster Cult, Sabbath, Zeppelin. And uh, I think that that's always been a key to what makes them so unique in the way that they're they really champion the whole community of hard rock and, and metal in that way do you remember what some of the stuff they wanted to ask you about was because i would imagine they had um, no it was, it was it was at a meet and greet after the show and um you know we we didn't really get into the weeds too much musically but it was just it was it's great to meet them and uh, of course when they covered astronomy mm -hmm. um, that was a that was a, you know very flattering and did a nice job and you know I uh, I like it when any band covers Blue Oyster Cult but you know to have Metallica do it, it was great yeah yeah there's been great uh, you know Arch Enemy I, I believe did like a piece of Astronomy um, but yeah that cover that Metallica did I think is outstanding it's one of the one of the great highlights yeah. of that whole covers record. Yeah, that yeah, and that record is really good too. You know, yeah. I like the, I like the Seeger cover and all that stuff too. You know, diverse and and shows a lot of uh, a lot of different sides. Um, and I also like that Astronomy later it had that connection with uh, the Stand, Stephen King. That's well, I'm a Stephen King fan also. So yeah, of course. So were we, and um, have having him quote the reaper in the opening of the stand was great too yeah for sure yeah. was was that time in the 90s the only time that you that you guys met up or has, has there yes yeah i know joe bouchard met him one night he, he um he went to one of their shows and hung out with him too so there's a new blue oyster call to talk about let's talk about that yeah when you're writing songs now what are some things that to you are elements that have to be there for it to sound like Blue Oyster Call and to not be a, another project or a solo record or something. And then what are some things that you've been inspired to maybe incorporate into the sound that are, that are newer kind of uh, expanding it to you? 
I think going into the symbol remains, uh, it was completely wide open as far as, I don't think we even tried to uh, imagine what BOC would do in 2020 as far ahead of time. You know, we just, we just wrote songs and uh, that's, that's almost the way it always was with BOC, even with the uh, classic lineup and, uh, and uh, over the 40 year history of the band. Um, I don't think we ever really began with, with an idea, well, this is what our sound is, or this is what the record's gonna sound like. Uh, we would just write songs and when it was done, if there was a, a theme or something we could stitch together, we would, but that's the way it happened. It's, it happened at the back end rather than the front end. And over time though, certainly it starts to kind of develop, right? Where people have things that they get attached to or that they associate with the band sound. Is that yeah, that well, I think at all? if, you know, talking about the symbol remains, if you listen to the 14 songs, they're kind of all over the place stylistically. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, um, the way Eric Bloom sings kind of dictates the material he does. He always does the, the heavier stuff and, the, and the, I do the, the more oddball things and the, and the more melodic uh, AOR, if you will, kind of music. And uh, that's, that's born out here. Plus we have the contribution of Richie Castellano who did mm -hmm. uh, co-wrote about half the record and, uh, and gets introduced as a third lead vocalist in the band. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there, there was no overriding um, theme or even sonic sensibility going into this. We just, we, we, we just, rehearsed and recorded everything that anybody brought in to this record. And we wound up with 14 songs that are stylistically um, diverse, you might say. Yeah, for sure. It was a very diverse record. And in fact, yeah. I like that idea even of the different creative people who each bring their own thing to the stew and then how mm -hmm. that, the flavor that you end up getting from combining those ingredients. Yeah. Well, in 2020 with, uh, with Richie Castellano and Jules Rodino and Danny Miranda, uh, you've got the same uh, access and input as you did with uh, Albert and Joe Bouchard and uh, Alan Lanier in the beginning. So this is, this is going to be jumping backwards in time quite a bit, but it's a, a particular fascination of mine. The hearing aid, uh, the, the star song with, uh, with Ronnie Dio and, and all those, you know, it was kind of the metal hard rock answer back in the day to USA for Africa and, and yes. uh, Band-Aid, I think it was, it was the Bob Gelboff one. Can you tell me a little bit about how that, how that all came about? Yeah, I, Ronnie wanted to do something uh, with the, with the metal guys. Cause uh, you know, we, ne we didn't make, we are the world. Um, we, yeah. we weren't pop enough or big enough, whatever. So I it was it was a worthy idea. He wanted to uh, to raise some money and to get some uh, some heavy musicians involved, and uh, everybody was uh, cooperative on the same page. I think you know normally competitive bands were uh, were very uh, convivial and and cooperative. So it was great. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like it was a really cool way to kind of plant the flag for the whole community, the whole genre when. You know, yeah, in the UK, you had all the UK pop stars doing the uh, Do They Know It's Christmas song. And then you have, yeah, USA for Africa with the We Are the World, which was more, you know, your Cindy Loppers and 
and uh, Bob Dylan's and whatnot. Yeah. And yeah, it was cool to kind of put out there like, hey, we might be singing about Dungeons and Dragons, but uh, we care too. We care <laughs> too. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I think it went a long way to, uh, to, toward uh, kind of changing the public perception of, of metal a little bit, especially considering when it was, because that's still, that's the mid eighties. And still we had PMRC going on and, you know, this idea that every hard rock musician is some sort of. Yeah. I, I guess we're easy targets for that kind of thing, but just, I mean, I, I think to a, to a man or woman in, in this business, I, you know, we're all, we're all good. We're all nice yeah. people. That, that's been my experience for sure. Yeah. And then also, let's see, you had um, some guys from Kiss were part of that. And, uh, Motorhead, Scorpions. Do you remember anything about the yeah. interacting with with those folks? Um, yeah, well, it, it's mostly like you know, hey, hi, how you doing? You know, so I, I met Rudy Sarzo for the first time. On oh, cool. Session. Yeah, and Rudy was in our band later, so that yeah, worked. that worked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the guys from Spinal Tap were there too. Which is oh, funny. that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, some of the English guys were a little a little off put by that, you know, because. I guess they they were a little sore about being lampooned to the degree that they were in, in <laughs> Spinal Tap, but, but uh, again, it was it was mainly a great time. Yeah, and you know, I feel like Spinal Tap uh, that, that that's the kind of satire that's done out of love. You know, it's like they say that at the like the friars roasts, right, where you roast the ones you love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not. you don't you don't write those Spinal Tap songs or or play those instruments without actually liking the stuff <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah and, and knowing the routine too i mean those yeah. the uh the the whole story is just is it's just dead on pretty much yeah it's i mean there's not a band i think in I, any genre that have that can't yeah. put that on and relate to some yeah. scene in the movie that deteriorating goat head reminded me a lot of uh of the last days of our godzilla that bill graham had built for a new year's <laughs> show <laughs> <laughs> we, we hauled it around for about five years, and at the end, of, at the end of that time, it was it was really ragged. It was it, it, <laughs> it had to retire eventually, right? Oh yes, it wound up in a landfill at some point. <laughs> that is very amazing. Yeah, and of course, Godzilla, Burning for You, Reaper, those are enduring staples of rock radio and kind of rite of passage songs. I think for people when we you know when, when we discover heavier music that's stuff that's like part of the education right like in the curriculum like, yeah you gotta yeah. hear this that's gotta feel awesome <laughs> yeah yeah i i think blue oyster cult is sort of on the vestibule of the of the the house of heavy metal you know where we're uh we may have, may have been called heavy metal, but uh, as far as the, how the genre developed, you know, it, it certainly uh, blew past a lot of what we do and uh, really got serious, you know, with some of the other bands. And, you know, I'd be remiss in not bringing it up since we were talking about satire, and I'm sure you're, you're probably tired of being asked about it, but of course the great Will Ferrell, Christopher Walken sketch is has become almost synonymous with the band in pop culture yeah what a phenomenon what a phenomenon is that is that a, a blessing or a curse to you to to be have that um, association a bit of both uh, certainly um we've long since made peace with it and uh it's it's still damn funny you know i mean every <laughs> yeah. time i watch it i can't i have to laugh you know it's it's good 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing too, where it's, where again, like a spinal tap, uh, you don't, that sketch doesn't get invented without someone loving at least the song and probably the band. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it, yeah. it, does, it doesn't feel like it's uh, you know, in bad faith or mean spirited. Yeah. Very- I think the original uh, shooting script was up on the internet at some point And um, a lot of the, a lot of what was broadcast was was improvised and oh. uh, yeah so there was i think that's why they couldn't control themselves on, <laughs> on, the, on camera because we, yeah. because there was there was stuff happening that wasn't really in the original plan and those have always been uh yeah. you know some of the best snl sketches is when the when the cast members break you yeah know? You, right. you can't you can't see them laugh and not start laughing yourself. Sometimes yeah. they're laughing because the sketch is bad. <laughs> it makes it funny because they realize it's bombing. So I also wanted to ask you while I've got you since you did you know, there was that solo record in the early eighties. Does that you know at a time like right now with the pandemic where everything slowed down and we're all inside and got your guitars around you and stuff? Do you start kind of getting the itch to maybe do more solo oriented stuff? Uh, very well could be only because we can't tour you know we just yeah. finished symbol remains and we did that under lockdown too so that was uh that was done in the kind of environment you're talking about but i don't know how long this is going to go on before they allow crowds again you know they being the the authorities so it was, yeah um i certainly hope that the germ craps out soon you know i got a feeling that it's going to but uh we'll see you know um we'd rather be out supporting this record on the road because uh, i don't know how many more years we're gonna play live you know it's, i i definitely see the light at the end of the tunnel at some point we're gonna say eh, do i want to do this you know until i fall over on stage i don't know maybe but uh, yeah. maybe not you know yeah how did that change the recording process for you i've heard a lot of different you know in interviewing lots of bands over the last couple of months uh, you know there's there's some bands that are dropboxing files to one another and and not ever even being in the same room and there's others who have figured out ways to get in the studio but you know making a like an nba style bubble was it how did it work for blue oyster were you we were lucky in that we finished the basic tracks all together uh, before the the lockdown. Oh, okay, and good. So we had the we had the drums and we we had the the guitars and basses from the basics, and uh, we wound up using most of that for for the record. So we overdubbed the the vocals, the backup vocals, and the. Uh, the lead guitars, uh, although we use some of the leads from the basics too, but all the rest of the guitars, percussion, keyboards, we all did that under lockdown at our own studios. And we were able to collaborate with uh, Zoom-like apps um, mm-hmm. with slightly better audio. Uh, so we could actually hear each other's digital audio workstations uh, in full fidelity. Wow. So. So we could sort of look over each other's shoulders when we were recording and, and produce each other that way. Yeah. And, also, and we were uploading to Dropbox tracks and then uh, adding, uh, like when we did this background harmonies, you know, we would all put our own part in to, to the other guy's parts, you know, and somebody would start it and uh, 
then we'd add our own parts and that's the way we did it so i did you know all the guitars and and vocals in this room most of them on this microphone here right here wow and that you know necessity being the mother of invention i like to think that a lot of the innovations that have come about i mean even you and i doing this podcast not and you know outside of a podcast studio each of us of our respective places mm-hmm. i would like to think that a lot of these innovations will when things return to normal some relative form of normalcy that they'll persist like because we've we've come up with new ways to do things or or sped up or you know more people are doing things this new way than they were before I like to think that it will all kind of stick around, you know, that yeah. we'll have normal touring and live streams happening at the same time, that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the recording artist equivalent of working from home. So, <laughs> yeah. So yes, exactly. it's going to be done. And it's great because you'll be able to collaborate with people across the country or across the world for that matter. That's true. Um, yeah. uh, so, so clearly that's crossed your mind. If it, do you have a sort of wish list of, of people you would like to do that with? Yes, although at, at the moment, we're very much in the head of, uh, of getting the symbol remains out in front of people. This is our focus at the moment. We've played two shows live since the lockdown. We did one in July in uh, Keene, New Hampshire, outdoors, in uh, a drive-in show where the cars were parked on the side of a hill and uh, there was a space between every every car and people got out on long chairs or pickup trucks. They sat in the bed of the pickup or whatever. And uh, we did a, another one in uh, at a winery outdoors in mm. Pennsylvania a uh, week and a half ago. So we know it can be done. Although, yeah. you know, in the, in the Northeast of the uh, United States, it's a little chilly out there now. In fact, it was a little chilly in uh, Pennsylvania. You know, what's interesting was I, I went to, Metallica did a drive-in show, but it was, you know, filmed a week or two prior. And then it was in drive-in theaters all around the country. And then mm-hmm. similar to what you described where the cars were social distance and people still got out and, and lawn chairs and tailgated and all that. And the venue, so to speak, where the band had filmed the actual performance was at a winery in Northern California. Uh, so winery drive-in combo there. Was there any was there any kind of glass half full about those environments for you? Because obviously it's it's drag and it's not what you're used to or what we all want. Yeah, but. I mean, even outdoors, usually the crowd is a little further away outdoors, but uh, they were quite a bit further out away in the in the driving situation, and uh, so you miss that. You miss the people that are right up on the stage and you know, right up mm-hmm. on the crowd barrier, but. Uh, other than that, it's it was it's really similar. I mean, the, the dynamic of playing is is similar. The the gear is similar. We're using our our regular stage gear, and the 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 PA and the lights are all really good quality, like they are in, in normal times. So it's not very different. No. Yeah, um, and I saw also you know there's um, music videos around the new record and and that sort of thing. How how does that transpire in this environment in terms of pulling that those productions together yeah we did the videos in-house the uh, first time we've done that and it was uh it was mainly done by, by Stephen shank and richie castellano and the band's uh live participation was uh we went to a a video studio it was actually in a high school uh in uh, long beach long island 
in uh, it was before the semester started and no one had been using this million dollar video studio and it was mm -hmm. and we did the the green screen performances of four songs at that time and we did it one at a time we, you know we're all masked up and distance and everything when we weren't in front of the cameras and when you were in front of the cameras with your guitar or keyboard whatever drums you know you'd take the mask off and you'd perform to the track and then that that footage was was put into uh, what the video became after the fact. That's, that's yeah. again, yeah, just the new inventive. I mean, that, that's something that you wouldn't have even thought about doing prior to yeah. the situation, right? Well, you, when you think about what's happened with green screen now, green screen's all over the place in uh, in in broadcast TV and um, in films and uh, you know in in, in Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. In Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, could put up a, I could put up a different background. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, sometimes I like to, uh, I like yeah. to put my bookshelf behind me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy to think about how much, I mean, much like with record production and filmmaking and, and all sorts of parts of the arts, the, uh, you know, means of production and creation, the more accessible they become, the cheaper they become, the more widespread, I think the more art that we're getting you know the more that people are able to to yep. self-contain and yeah and i think everybody has a has a intuitive sense of of how to entertain people now too because um, that's an interesting point yeah yeah people i mean are, if you, uh, i can go down uh you know uh, a memory hole there with uh with tiktok or something i could just be, you know, be swiping videos or like all of a sudden it's 40 minutes later you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of good stuff out there that you want to see yeah yeah, yeah. that's crazy you mentioned rudy sarzo earlier and i know uh a couple months ago i think you guys did a radio show together or something right was how uh, yeah yeah Ru rudy's got a a, a a heavy metal uh, music show dj show and uh and it's mostly music but he but he has interview segments and he interviewed eric and i at the beginning of this process and uh yeah i usually see rudy once a year now i see him at the nam show and uh -huh. you know, yeah you know, and i go there and that's usually where i run into rudy and it was nice to talk to him again for at length and uh unfortunately nam has been canceled in in 2021 so and won't see him this year. It's so weird to think about, I mean, of, of the multitude of things that have gone away and that have changed and that are different. I mean, I, I live in Orange County, not far from Anaheim, and mm. I've been to NAM every year since, gosh, I don't know, 2003 or four or something. And, and yeah, it's strange yeah. to think about no NAM. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I started going in 1985 and, uh, you know, I've built up friendships with people that make musical instruments and software and recording gear and things like that. And that's, that's the only time I see him is, you know, you just go, we see him once a year, you know? So yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm bereft. I'm sad. <laughs> we are, we're bereft of our, our musical instrument brethren. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the Comic-Con is another one. I usually go to Comic-Con every, every year and, and that's, you know, that was all virtual. It was all Zoom panels and, and stuff like that uh, for, for that. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I would imagine something else you, you do get asked about from time to time, you know, in, in terms of thinking of lineage and generations and 
you know, Metallica being influenced by Blue Oyster Cult, um, Ghost has become such a phenomenon in the last few years. And a lot of us, myself included, definitely hear some BOC in their sound. Um, do you remember kind of hearing them for the first time or hearing about it? And um, the, the listening that I've done to Ghost has been in reaction to people saying... That it sounds know. like Blue Oyster Cult, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, yeah. uh, and, and from what I've heard, I, I, I like them and I, I can see the point. And I think it's because of the, the, the musicality and the, the harmonies and the, the harmonies big time. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like ghost. I think they're really good. Yeah. And, and then the way that you guys I have... certainly don't resent any, any, you know, if there is any conscious, uh, uh, imitation of BOC, they're, they're certainly welcome to it. Yeah, I mean, it all, it, it carries it carries the yeah. torch forward. And I yeah. think, yeah, I, mean, I think you really hit upon it with the, the vocals, especially because the, the layering yeah. and the multi-part harmonies that um, yeah. Tobias does with the ghost stuff, um, that to me is the thing that's the, the most reminiscent of the multi-vocal approach that yeah. you've always had. Very cool. Is there anything else in this downtime that you've, and it's a downtime, it's probably the wrong way to phrase it, but in the lockdown that you've, discovered uh music wise anything turning you on or or rediscovered even going back into something you hadn't listened to in a while i think it's uh certainly um living with my wife as much as i have is you know under the lockdown is is a, a new experience you know because for we've been married a long time and uh it's it's usually me coming and going you know so it's uh it's been a, a new experience for us to be locked down together and yeah. living together you know so and, and it's good it's uh, i have enjoyed the uh the novelty and the uniqueness of of not traveling as much as i usually do so sure. um i'm not really tired of it yet but on the other hand uh i think i think i will go a little stir crazy if we don't get back to normal so. yeah i think we all will <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, for those uh, lifer touring musicians like yourself, uh, yeah. the spouses, a uh, friend of mine uses this phrase and I've only, I borrowed it, but uh, tour widows, he calls them. Mm. <laughs> it's, you know, the husband's alive, but, but he's gone all the time. So it's, yeah. You know, you're a tour well, widow. It's, 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 you know, the wives usually have a life of their own too. And that's, yeah. You know, that they're not like sitting around doing exactly nothing. they're waiting there so when you are home for an unexpectedly long time they're kind of like all right why don't you get, get back out out there <laughs> get out right. of here. <laughs> well so, certainly in march in march and april you know everybody was cooperating with the trying to stop the spread of the coronavirus but um, yeah by now i think you know it's we just want to deal with it and, and get on with life you know indeed well this has been fun. Uh, it's got to be such a challenge for every band right now to be promoting and talking about a new record when you can't go out and, and play shows in support of it like we're used to. Yeah. Uh, so I commend you even for for keeping it going. And yeah. it seems like the reviews, the press, the reaction to this record have been great so far since it came out. So that's got to feel good uh, at I'm this point. I'm very gratified so far. Yeah, yeah the, the, I'm very gratified at the uh, universal, universal good reviews of this record. I, I have I've yet to read a discouraging word. So, yes, I'm 
I'm really happy because when we got done with it and we could sit back and, and listen to it as if we were consumers instead of the creators, you know, mm-hmm. it was impressive. I'm, it's a good record. It is. It is indeed. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you're able to do this and take the time to do it. And yeah, and don't, don't feel bad about not being a Metallica expert. It's, it's more, it's the associations enough. To, that's, yeah. You know, we talk about all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Well, it's funny as the years go by, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's just great to be, you know, on, in the same uh, orbit, in the same uh, profession, in the same, yeah. uh, you know, general musical um, vibe as Metallica. And, uh, you know, and, have, and yeah. having a lot of the same fans yep. <laughs> that, uh, yep. that uh, yeah, that associate handful of bands together that um have been meaningful you know you know throughout uh my life really i <laughs> know i speak for a lot of people when i say that so um yeah. glad you guys are still doing it glad you have new fresh stuff out there and doing new things but still keeping it true to the sound we love and thanks keeping a lot for real. for coming on keeping here keeping it real yeah blue oyster gold keeps it real <laughs> Not to skip too far ahead, but when you do feel like making another solo record or doing some collaborations, I'll be very interested to hear what, what comes out of the quarantine. Well, good. Yeah, I, I think uh, the experience of finishing the record under that circumstance um, created a lot of the, the, the methodology of doing something else again shortly. Right. You know, we, we work with uh, Tom Lord Algae on this record. Uh-huh. That, that was a great experience. He's in Miami and he, he works the same way everybody else does and yeah, you know, downloads the tracks from Dropbox. You know, puts a mix up, and then we listen to it and critique it and make suggestions on mm-hmm. how it want it closer to the finished product, and that's the way it goes back and forth. And it, and it doesn't get any more a list in the rock world, certainly for mixers yeah. than, than him. So yeah, the top I mean, he the gets top. he gets a just a killer drum sound, man. Just awesome. Well, thanks so much, Buck. All right. <laughs>